you sounded like a robot. Yeah. You, you still sound like a crazed robot. Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. I am Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Not about movies is a podcast where we take you on a journey through the world of cinema, whether it be movie news, movie rumors, movie rumblings, or uh, trailers and movie reviews. We go through it all here on Mad About Movies. But tonight, we take you on a different course. Yes, that is right. It is the first annual Mad About Movies Rants and Raves. Rants and Raves is going to be our segment where uh, we're going to take a step back from reviewing a normal movie and we're going to uh, just look at a story that is big in Hollywood right now and we're going to give our opinion on it uh, and we're going to rant about it, whether it's bad or we're going to rave about it, whether it's good. And the subject of tonight's Rants and Raves, Brian? The 2013, not 2003, 2013 Academy Awards. Oh crap, I prepared for the 2003 Academy Awards. Well, you'll probably be fine since they spent half the show yeah. going over the 2003 awards. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Because yeah. I have a lot of Chicago thoughts planned. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, before we get into that, uh, I want to ask you guys, do you guys have any uh, movie news, anything this week that happened since the last podcast that you want to maybe bring up in the world of movies? I'm relying on you today, Kent. I looked through. Uh, yeah, you guys always rely on me. I know. Luckily, well, that's your, that's your job. You're the news guy. I guess uh, my job is to do everything. And yeah, so. that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, that's so why I, do, I do have a number of things I would like to go over. Sure, uh, bring it. First off, I, this came down uh, this afternoon, and it's from, this is from IGN, and the article is called Robert Downey Jr. on Leaving Iron Man and Tony Stark. What? I don't have to overstay my welcome, says Robert Downey Jr. And the, uh, the sentence in this article that stood out to me was from uh, Marvel's head head honcho. It says Kevin Kevin Feige, who has basically been overseeing every Marvel movie mm-hmm. uh, since I can't I can't remember which the first one was the first one Iron Man he did. I think so. I think so. Anyway, yeah. uh, he said he has floated the possibility of replacing Downey Jr. eventually, James Bond style. He says I hope Downey can make a lot of movies for us as Tony Stark, and if and when he does, I'm still here. Making these movies, we don't have to take him to Afghanistan and have him wounded again. I think we'll just James Bond it. So uh, that being said, um, they uh, asked Robert Downey Jr. about it, and he said, "I pro- it it would probably be the best thing in the world for me, you know, ego. But sometimes ego just has to be smashed. Let's see what happens. I I take the audience very seriously. I feel bad when I see folks doing movies and the audience is like, don't do that anymore. I don't have to overstay my welcome." End quote. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. thoughts on a non-Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man? Well, I mean, obviously, it's just it's just a matter of when uh, they sign Jeremy Renner to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Haw- Hawkeye uh, transforms into Iron Man. Yeah, yeah exactly. But the thing is, uh, it 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 um, from the looks of this article, it, it seems like a financial reason would be not to have him because it says. In this article, that Marvel had to fork over upwards of fifty million for the right. Avengers, just for Robert Downey Jr., including wow. box office bonus and back end compensation. Yeah, and, wow. Uh, in, in the big scheme of the one point seven billion that it made, or whatever, it's no—I mean, it's cents. But uh, do you think really they could they could they would have as much success with a non-Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man? Because I mean, he's 
the body and soul of this whole Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe right now. Well, I was actually just at dinner earlier talking about this, and I've never—I I was thinking on a, on a big character that we were discussing, my friend and I. That you know, it's such a perfect. My friend's name is Stephen, by the way. He's sitting next to me, so I should mention his name. But uh, that there's never been such a perfect match of character and actor uh, for a blockbuster movie like this. I, I can't imagine as anybody other than Tony Stark. You know, I can picture someone besides Christian Bale playing Batman. Obviously, that a lot of that is because someone else already has done it. Uh, I can picture someone else playing Thor and Captain America, so on and so forth. But that character is so Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I think we said on, or I've said on the podcast before that, uh, or maybe on the radio that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is more Tony Stark than he is Robert Downey Jr. Now, yes, uh, absolutely. So I mean, I really feel like the whole reason people love this snarky character is i mean it's all downy uh it's his real personality it seems like that he's brought into this character yeah uh, so it's yeah I, I don't know who do you think he could play it could play iron man could meet could match that uh that's that snarkiness boy uh, I, I really don't know hugh yeah. grant <laughs> i mean <laughs> I, I would like to see that i think that would make a lot of money too just from people that are curious yeah, I mean, I just that's the only person I can think of that's like just known for kind of being snarky. No, the thing about Tony Stark is, is that he's always the smartest person in the room. He has his demons, but uh, you know, he's always he's always the most talented, most intelligent person in the room. Who does that sound like? Well, that sounds like Robert Downey Jr. I mean, I don't right. really know. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a really perfect match of character and actor. Like I said, I, I honestly I can't picture anyone else doing it. It's not to say they couldn't, but good good night. I mean. Yeah, that's uh, this tough... isn't James Bond. I mean, it's not a man in a suit with an accent. I mean, this is a right. pretty nuanced person whose nuances rely solely on the actor playing him. Yeah, it is. I, I um, a lot of people when when Christian Bale became Batman, a lot of people seem to have connected with that character. But I really personally connect more with Tony Stark. Uh, he's just more seems more real world. I mean, more realistic. I mean, if there was a superhero now. Like say say that the Tony Stark scenario is real, and there's really a guy. You know they've they uh, after oh, Iron Cuban. Man after Iron Man they said it would only take like 150 million to build the, a real Iron Man suit or something, a fully functional like Iron Man suit or something like that. So was, mean, it's uh, not it's not that? out of the realm of possibility for there to be a, somebody that is like this. And so this this um, movie, the the whole series just seemed the uh, the most realistic, and the fact that he's like I'm the Iron Man. You know, he just puts it out there. He doesn't. He he doesn't care if people know he's a celebrity. And I think that's how it would be now. If somebody it was a, there was a real superhero. So I'm yeah, I, of that 150 million number because I feel like if that were the case, I'm gonna Richard, have to look it up because uh, Richard Branson would have nine Iron Man suits. I feel like, <laughs> or any billionaire that rides around the world in a helium balloon. I think they'd go Iron Man suit pretty quick. All I right. think 150. Uh, it's not 150 million. I have the article right here. It okay. is um, the entire suit, 110 billion. Okay. So, okay. I knew it was 100 something. It's a billion. But, but yeah, they, they break down every single part of this. It's a Huffington Post article if you want to Google it. Uh, okay. They, they break down literally every like screw on this suit and calculate the cost. Uh, it's crazy, but um, it's not. I mean, it, I don't know. Iron Man is one of my favorite series. I just really would hate to see Downey Jr. not not be a part of it. I don't know if I'd be a fan at, at that point. 
Just no. well, and, and, yeah. and and his contract's up after uh, Iron Man three, which has already been shot, and so and Avengers two is being written currently. So you you wonder what they're going to do there. I, I just hope they work something out. So yeah, I'll say this: I I don't. I'm with you guys. I don't know that you can replace Robert Downey Jr. with anybody and have it work out the same way. But I do like to hear a studio exec saying, I, I, I like him saying, hey, we may not have to reboot this stuff. We might just James Bond it, bring oh, yeah. in a new guy. You know, I, I think that's a great, uh, a great way to go, whether it's Iron Man or Batman or Superman or wherever. I, I think society, movie society is, is tiring quickly of the origin story, and I like the idea of just of doing the British way of doing things and just rolling with the new guy in the suit, you know, whatever suit it may be. Um, that's, that's, that's good stuff to me. Even if I don't know who in the world would, would step into the shoes of, uh, of Robert, Robert Downey Jr. In this, this case. So, but I like to hear that. That's, that to me is better than saying, Hey, as soon as, uh, Downey says he's done, we're going to reboot with the young, Iron Man, and you know it's going to be Chris Pine because he plays every new reboot guy. You know, and, um, I like that uh, the the idea behind that a lot better. Yeah, um, agreed. There, uh, I want to move on. Uh, I knew you guys would like that Marvel news, but uh, I don't know if you saw this, Brian. Uh, since you stay pretty in tune with the movie news, did you see? Speaking of reboots, did you see that uh, Jar Jar Abrams wanted to cast Mark Wahlberg in the uh, Star Trek reboot, the original? I did see that, and that's that would be interesting. And the, uh, the it, he he got offered the role of uh, Captain Kirk's father, uh, which ultimately went to Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, which I thought was great because he looks exactly like Chris Pine, an older Chris Pine. Anyway, yeah. uh, uh, Wahlberg said he didn't take the offer because he didn't understand the script. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Um, and uh, but Wahlberg said if he gets offered a role in Star Wars, he's taking it, and he would not pass up another opportunity to work with JJ because, of course, Star Trek was brilliant. So uh, I thought that would have been interesting. Uh, I, I don't think they Hollywood re- would have really liked a Mark Wahlberg action movie and him only being in it for the first five minutes. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Say hi to your mother for me. Hey, <laughs> Amy, what are we doing? Up, here? You're pregnant. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey, say That's hi to my son for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's goodness. like I, I got a I got a bench press like nine hundred pounds up here because it's like there's everything weighs less in space. Like my curls, I'm doing like nine hundred kilo kilograms. You know, oh. how do you mother for me? <laughs> Mark stuff. Wahlberg's an interesting guy. We need to talk about him someday because he makes horrible movies, and yet I love him. And I hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are down with me to go see Pain and Gain later this year. And do oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's going to be nothing but entertaining. I, I feel like we should go to an early morning show to a theater with Wi-Fi and then yeah. set up a couple laptops and just podcast while watching it. Yeah, just, just at like 10 a.m. with nobody in the theater. But, uh, yeah. Exactly. Just do a live blog. Sweet. Yeah, I, I thought that was funny. I wanted to bring that up. Um, more sequel news. Um, guys, I know you might be disappointed about this. Um, especially you, Richard, but Mark Strong, the actor, has come forward and said there will be no, that he knows of, Green Lantern 2. What? Yeah. Oh, uh, the room is spinning. What a, what a yeah. tough day for everybody, really. That's, man, that's like, 
that's like losing a war hero or something. That's uh, that's really tough, guys. I don't know how we'll get by without the worst superhero movie I've ever seen in my life. That's mm. like now I know how those families felt on nine eleven. <laughs> I mean that is not, and that's no, that is not an overstatement. I mean that is how I feel. Oh, um, no, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, in an awful taste as usual. No, that's good. That's great. That's uh, hopefully that'll end some sort of war because I, you know, I feel like that's the the terrorist hate is mostly because we made the Green Lantern. <laughs> I, I I honestly wouldn't blame him at that point though. I mean, oh, yeah, no, they I, have I, legitimate I, grounds. <laughs> probably going Al Qaeda. If it was like if they if they came out and just said it's because of Green Lantern, you know, that's enough for me. It's that that's probable cause. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, another sequel that is being made, though, and and uh, Brian, you probably would, can say more about this than I can, but they are making Jack Reacher too. So uh, uh, thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. I, I love Tom Cruise. Always, I, I love him in just about everything. Jack Reacher was just kind of a, I don't know, a little bit of a waste of my time. Um, I didn't understand. I. I understand that he has a huge following, or the books have a huge following, so maybe there's people out there that really loved uh, that movie and that character, but um, I had a hard time with the movie in that you never could figure out whether he was supposed to be like a realistic action star or kind of over-the-top Jack Bauer-ish personality, Um, and it... I got tired of trying to to figure that out. Like one scene is he's it's he's really having to fight to get through this, and then the next scene he's destroying a dude, and it's like I, I don't know. It just didn't. It had no flow, and by the end, it just felt it felt ridiculous in spite of it trying to be realistic, if that makes any sense. And uh, I don't know. I was just tired of it by the end, and I'm surprised that it's getting a sequel because I don't think it did that well financially. But it made a ton overseas. Yeah, that's true. yeah. Apparently, it is. Tom Cruise is huge draw uh, in the yeah. international box. Croatia, box. Croatia loves the cruise. That's true. Um, I wanted to, yeah, I I didn't see Jack Reacher. Uh, didn't appeal to me whatsoever. Probably the most unappealing name for a superhero or whatever that you could have. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Reacher. I, uh, I don't know what they were, I, Hollywood was thinking there, thinking that people were going to latch onto this Jack Reacher guy. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just like you could tell. It's just. People trying to create a franchise, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's probably fine, and there's really no reason for me to say it's not decent. It doesn't deserve a sequel if I haven't seen it, but um, I don't know. I mean, do we really I need to, you know? I was in a hotel last week and ordered what I thought was Jack Reacher. It turned out it was Jack Reacher around, and let me tell you. <laughs> That's a different movie. It was wow. a different movie. Tom Cruise was in both, though, so that was <laughs> – yeah. Richard, let me ask you this. Are you underwater right now? No, I'm not. Do I sound weird? You sound gurgly a little bit. Oh. I don't know. It might just be your timbre tonight. You might just have a gurgle in your throat. So I might. I mean, I've been been using mouthwash the whole time. Okay. (laughs) There you go. There you go. There it is. Um, No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I have had a little bug I'm getting over, so I'm I'm probably – it's probably just the voice. It's probably – it's a little – yeah, it's a little nasally. Um, uh, Casting news – James McAvoy, James McAvoy might uh, play the rebooted version of The Crow. Thoughts on that? Uh, don't care. <laughs> it was, was going to be Bradley Cooper. <laughs> uh, I'd be more interested <laughs> if it was Bradley Cooper. I don't like James McAvoy, and I 
he's been in some stuff lately that was better, such as uh, X Men First Class. But he doesn't. I don't find him appealing. So I mean, Wanted is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I, I agree. Yeah, Wanted was pretty bad. Um, I liked him as as Professor X, though. He really won yeah. me over in that. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what he does in. Uh, uh, Dangerous Future Pass, where he's restricted to a wheelchair pretty much the entire movie. Uh, yeah. So you don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think we need another Crow reboot. I mean, yeah, they're, literally, the they're literally part. rebooting every single movie ever. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I want to know. I mean, are there people out there that really still, I mean, they're just in love with the Crow? I don't, I mean, that was really big when I was in, an, I don't know, probably a sophomore in high school or something, but I feel yeah. like. I don't think I've heard anybody mention the crow in at least a decade. So I don't. Uh, I guess there's a big crow group out there or something. Is this apparently, is this, apparently this, so? Apparently there's a demand. Uh, I'm with you. I'm pretty stumped on uh, why, but uh, that's that's Hollywood. I mean, there if if there's a like sliver of a of a shot that it'll make money. Uh, yeah, that, there, that there's a built-in audience already. I think that that's enough to get a movie made nowadays. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as long as McAvoy doesn't die in real life while making it, <laughs> that's an improvement. Yeah, I, I think uh, the original might have left a bad taste in everyone's mouth because all that. So, I, I, yeah, I, uh, you don't know. I don't know. Um, one more thing uh, I wanted to mention: uh, Angelina Jolie is making her directorial debut. Have you heard about this? I no. saw a blurb about it, and then I I bypassed it. I didn't. I guess I didn't uh, take stock of what movie she was doing or what what the deal was. Okay. Well, um, she is doing this movie called Unbroken, and Richard, I might need to ask you about this because it is based on the New York Times bestselling uh, book called Unbroken of the same name. It's about mm-hmm. a World War II uh, veteran. It's about an Olympian who goes to World War II, gets. Uh, Stranded and ends up becoming a POW in Japan. Uh, my mom has read the book, and literally every single person she ever <laughs> talks to about books, she she uh, recommends this book. And she was like, "It's gonna be." She said, "It's gonna be a, a best picture caliber movie when it comes out, just because the story is that incredible." Interesting. And that and Jolie uh, pr- pretty much begged for the rights to this. I, from what I understand. So, uh, so it's not based on the Demi Lovato song "Unbroken." No, <laughs> uh, not that I'm or the Catherine McPhee album. Okay, just making not, sure. Not, not that I'm immediately aware of, but that okay. you know, don't yeah, that remains to be seen. But okay. the the news about this is um, today it was announced that the Coen Brothers are writing the script. Yes. Oh, okay, wow. that's what I saw that uh, that caught my attention. Yeah. And so um, I, I I always told my mom. I mean, anytime your parents recommend you a book, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever, yeah, whatever, you know. But as soon as I heard that the Coen brothers were writing this movie, I was, I told, I texted my mom and I was like, I want to read that book immediately because uh, if they're attached, yeah. it's going to be great. I read the True Grit book, Charles Portis, before True Grit because I knew that I would love to see an adapt- how they adapt things, you know, because they're my favorite right. writers. So, um, not, sh- I-, I told her that the Coen brothers were writing it and she said it's definitely not a Coen brothers story. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely a war epic type story, so it's gonna be interesting. To yeah. See. Anything that Coens do, I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in it. I mean, if it's, I mean, I, I, I think Angelina Jolie is smart. I think she 
you know, I think intelligence is a big part of directing and understand how story's supposed to go. Um, I wouldn't be adverse to seeing it just because she's directing it. Uh, I mean, it's, we'll get into it later, but it's been proven that, you know, even some people that are, you know, actors can sometimes make really great directors. So, uh, I'll be interested to see it when it comes out, especially if it's a, it's based on a good book. And I love me some more War too. Me too. Uh, I mean, so, I, I mean, it was a horrible, a lot of people died, but I mean, I, I like reading about it. Uh, yeah, they made, they made for great films. They really do. Um, so Richard, I'm going to read it. You should read it. Uh, everyone that's listening to this needs to read it because the movie's going to be out in probably a year or two years. Uh, so yeah, Unbroken, Angelino Jolie directing Coen Brothers writing. So uh, look for that one in the Oscars. Maybe two years from now we'll do a review and be talking about that. <laughs> uh, so uh, look out for that. Anything else you guys want to mention for movie news? I don't well, have anything. Star Wars? You guys haven't talked Star Wars. And we mentioned I don't it. know. I really don't think there was news this week. Uh, yeah. I think they kind of took the week off for the Oscars. Uh, but you never know. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's always Star Wars news. There'll be plenty of time for Star Wars news later, since we are the official podcast of Star Wars. So That's that true. That and the Montreal actually emailed us and asked if we could do that, and we right. were gladly obliged. Yeah. Even though he no longer has the rights, he we got his <laughs> approval. So yeah. Yeah, legally, that should be fine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, let's move on uh, to our rants and raves on the 2013 Oscars. Here we are again. When he was picked to host the Oscars about two months ago, half of the country said, who? Fortunately, the other half was thrilled because they know that we are in for a wild ride. All right, gentlemen. um, Obviously, a lot lot to go over about the Oscars. Um, Brian, just give me your overall thoughts um, on the ceremony. Yeah. Don't talk don't talk about any of the the winners in specifically. Just give me your whole overall thoughts of the broadcast. Okay. Um I thought it was a a B, maybe a B minus. Um I wasn't overly impressed with pretty much anything that they were doing, but I also didn't think anything was just terrible. it wasn't James Franco and Anne Hathaway, so uh that's a low standard to to judge against, but um, it was okay. Uh, McFarlane was an interesting choice. Um, I I don't understand the point of having him do uh, host the Oscars and then put him in a position where he's not allowed to be himself uh, and do the stuff that makes him popular in the first place. I thought he was good as a performer. The 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 dancing and singing and stuff was solid. Um, but I didn't think that he was as funny as people want him to be. But at the same time, if he was as funny as you expect him to be, then he's also going to offend everybody. So I felt like it was kind of a, a no-win situation for him in a lot of ways. Um, and he did all right. The The opening monologue was good. And then Shatner showed up and, and it just took all the momentum away, in my opinion. I don't understand what the, what the idea behind that bit was. And the whole song, uh, the... The We Saw Your Boobs song was idiotic and a waste of time. It was just – it doesn't offend me, but it, it offended other people, and it felt like a really stupid thing to waste your offensive jokes on, you know, uh, to just roll right off the top with this really dumb bit that no one really thought was that funny and also upset a lot of the viewing audience. So great idea, guys. Um but from there, it was okay. Uh, I got 
really, really tired of musical stuff. Uh, I could have done more. I, I would have been happy with more Les Mis songs. I don't understand why in the world we're paying tribute to Chicago. That uh, yeah. left me uh, frustrated and confused. So overall, it was okay. It wasn't a great year. But, um, you know, I halfway enjoyed myself. I didn't, uh, I didn't regret my choices in life like I did when, when Franco and, and Hathaway were in charge. So it's not too bad, I guess. Right. Cool. Uh, great. So B is not that bad. Um, my thoughts are uh, – I agree with you. Uh, people – when you hire Seth MacFarlane to do a um, – to host your event um, – don't really know what they're expecting as far as non-controversial. Uh, I really, honestly, you want my honest opinion? I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it actually was. Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, if you, and I, like Richard with the rest of development, I watched Family Guy in its original run when I was in like fifth grade. And I was like, this is the funniest show ever. It got canceled, came back. But since it came back, I really don't, watch it anymore it's gotten to the point where they're just trying to be offensive with every single thing they do and it's not even funny it's just in bad taste um and i'm talking about the past couple of years having said that i thought we were going to get a lot more from from uh mcfarlane uh didn't really get that we got that in the opening monologue and that was fine it didn't really offend me that much but i could see how someone would be offended uh with the saw your boobs thing and the uh, chris brown joke and uh, <laughs> and the latter. Uh, so, but my thoughts on McFarland are he's a funny writer. Uh, shouldn't have hosted the awards. He can sing. I felt like they were just using his ability to sing. Hey, how can we use his ability to sing? Oh well, it just happens to be the 10th anniversary of Chicago. So let's talk about that the entire time. Coming off a year, and and if you remember last year, a year that there were no musical performances at all. Yeah, and they they refused to let uh, Jason Siegel do Man or Muppet <laughs> right. after a huge huge petition was signed by fans wanting to see that performed live, uh, and so it seems like last year uh, didn't really do well. And the people that run the Oscars are like, "How can we do it different?" Well, let's get somebody that all you know, twelve and thirteen year old people will know, and fill it with songs this year because apparently people wanted songs last year. Uh, it really didn't work for me at all. I was so, so sick of the songs. I couldn't believe they did it that way. I mean, I, I made a list, and I'll have to pull it up. I made a list of all the musical performances, and it is so long. I mean, it, it's honestly like a full disc, like a, a compact disc's worth of, of stuff. So the, the ones I – they had the Chicago 10-year, the 10-year montage, plus multiple mentions of that movie. They had a – Dreamgirls performance. They had two Bond performances, mm-hmm. a Les Mis performance, and around five or six Seth MacFarlane musical numbers. Uh, so, yeah, just no, don't do that anymore. Um, I, I, all I want to hear is the best original song, maybe the chorus from each one. Uh, that's really all I care about on the Oscars. Uh, so my overall thoughts of the ceremony was... I give it a B, just like Brian. Uh, wasn't great, wasn't terrible. It was just a mediocre, mediocre broadcast. Richard, thoughts? It's interesting. I think uh, Seth Meyer, or pardon me, Seth McFarland's uh, opening was was solid. I agree with Brian that the Shatner bit 
it was a funny bit, but it just didn't belong with. It felt like the opener to two different Oscar shows. Yeah, um, it was just weird, disjointed. Um, the you're right, you know, it was a little sophomoric. It's you look, you know, just as much as the Oscars. The Academy knows who Seth MacFarlane is. Seth MacFarlane knows who the Academy is. So, you know, they have to know he's going to be offensive, and he has to know that doing a song called I Saw Your Boobs probably isn't going to go over very well. Right. Um, but let me, let me say this. Let me say the sock puppet, hilarious. Yeah. Pro- might be the funniest moment of the, of the night, and I was hoping maybe we could get sock, puppy, sock puppet parodies yeah. of all the Best Picture nominees. That would yeah. have been funny. But Agreed. But it didn't happen. And, and so it was that was funny. Um, it's a weird show in that it, it, it runs long. It's, it's oddly paced where you have a lot of commercial breaks. And then at the end, the three biggest moments happen back to back to back really quick. Yeah. So it's a weird, oddly structured show. It's a really thankless job. I mean, you look at the people that have failed at this, you know, David Letterman, one of the best broadcasters in the last 50 years yeah. had a, had a subpar Oscars. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's thankless. So, Looking at it's, the past ten years of hosts, yeah, um, it, uh, this is who they are: Billy Crystal in '03, mm-hmm. then Chris Rock, yep, John Stewart, yep, Ellen DeGeneres, John Stewart again, Hugh Jackman. So for some reason, I had no idea that Hugh Jackman ever hosted the Oscars. He was great. His opening song was fantastic too. Yeah, he was good. I do remember that actually. That was good. Um, Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin. That was good. Which that was, was awesome. Great. I don't yeah. know why they didn't do that in the next every year. Uh, every year. Every year. Every year. Yeah, right. Every right. year. Um, or, or, James Franco and Anne Hathaway and then Billy Crystal again. So. I've been saying Martin Short would be great too. Or yes, Martin. I, I think so too. I do. I think Jimmy Kimmel would be great. Yeah, I think they're grooming him. I think he had to get I, the Emmys under his belt. I think he'll end up doing it cause it's, he because will. he's an ABC, ABC guy. ABC, yeah. Uh, he, really, he, he probably will do it next year, honestly. If I was going to put money on it, I would. Yeah, same here. Uh, so the show. Now the show. So, Kimmel is is an interesting choice. It it almost requires if I were to do the Oscars, if they put me in charge of producing it, I don't think the host and the opening comic are a lot of times uh, one and the same. In that, if I were to have it, I, I'm serious. This is what I would do. I would have let's just say I don't know. I would have Jeff Ross come out for seven minutes to start the show. Tell a bunch of jokes, insulting people. I'm just naming a random comic. I don't really care who it is. Sure. Comic du jour, come out. Chris Rock, come out. Tell some jokes. And then from then on, it's Seacrest. Because we all hate Seacrest, <laughs> but Seacrest knows how to... He's, he's on, the best I, host, yeah. yeah he, he really he, is. He is so efficient. He gets you in and out of break. He doesn't waste a sentence. He the th- Everything he hosts... I mean, American Idol is live, and that show is impossible to host. And Seacrest isn't funny. He's not interesting. But that show moves perfectly. He's 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 very tight, and that's seriously what I would do. I don't think I don't think comedians like Seth MacFarlane are good at really hosting throughout the rest of the show. Um, as far as yeah, the, I felt go, like that too. Yeah, I, I thought his opening twenty minutes were great, but then he's just kind of awkward uh-huh. coming in and out of break, trying to be funny. And the, at that point, we don't really need you to be funny anymore. We're good. So yeah, I would exactly. have comic for twenty minutes, and then Seacrest and or Carson Daly and or whoever. Uh, nameless person, um, Mario Lopez. That's what I would do. I just have Mario Lopez. No, and then um, <laughs> Billy Bush. Yes. Yeah. The other thing was, uh, I thought that the writing was really terrible on the um, very bad, very on bad. the uh, like presenters. 
Like oh, I it's thought it, un, ungodly awful. It's yeah. just like No, I think that's a different staff. I think McFarlane and his team do his stuff, but I think that's like the Academy staff that is. writes they, those and they should all be fired. I don't know right if that's when the, right when the credits roll, I don't know if you saw the first first credit that they show is written by and it's like two people. It's a lady yeah. and a guy. Bruce Valanti uh, probably. Yeah. And, no, it's just some random and yeah. probably not even funny guys. I mean they're probably writers like like, you know, newspaper writers. They can write a uh, yeah. <laughs> a description of a movie all day, but they can't write comedy. Yeah. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. So, um... Brian you know, asked us, us to come up with our suggestions, how we could suggest the Oscars. And I'm going to go ahead and mention that now because yeah. this is a good time. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. Uh, af- outside of the monologue and the parody s- section at the beginning, everything needs to be serious. Yeah. Even the stuff when you have comedians coming up there presenting, it needs to be serious. If the comedians want to go off script and be funny and do their own thing, that's fine, I think. But don't try to write comedy for exactly. comedians. Like the uh, Jason Bateman, uh, um, uh, Melissa McCarthy thing. That was just so. Or Paul Rudd. Or Paul, Paul Rudd. That's a, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Paul Rudd. Um, it, uh, yeah, it was just unbearable. That was um, terrible. They, I remember once <laughs> they wrote this horrible thing for uh, Octavia Spencer, who comes out and was like, you know, she's presenting to you know, for De Niro and Christoph Waltz and Arkin and you know these legends, yeah. uh, and and she's like. Not that I know anything about this category, having been on this stage last year. And it's yeah. like, you want to rip her, but you're like, no, wait, whose idea was yeah. that? Like, As if no one knows that the 
the winner from the year before comes back and gives the, you know what I mean? Every yeah. year it's the exact same thing. So everyone knows that the, the best supporting actress winner delivers the best supporting actor trophy to this year's contestant. That joke was, I, I was angry at that joke. I was like, just like, we all know that. I don't, it, don't just, treat us like idiots. And it puts that, that actor in just a horrible position of having to deliver this stupid, stupid line. They probably learn yeah. 10 minutes before they go up. Anyway, that's awful. I'm with you, Kent. I, I agree. I think it should be really funny to start, and then let's let's really enjoy the show. And serious. And if you got Will Ferrell yeah. coming out there, he's gonna do something funny, whether you write it for him or not. Yeah, you know exactly. You know what I'm let saying? Him write it. Let's let him write it. Let him go off script. Him, yeah, do their own thing. Uh, but let's not forget while we're mentioning mentioning the writing, the uh, probably the most confusing line of the night came from George Clooney <laughs> when he said, "Now comes the point in the broadcast that could last all night." The in memoriam. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't you couldn't really tell if it was trying to be funny or trying to be serious. Yeah, and that's the kind of writing that we had uh, throughout the house. And yeah, you make just an awkward like, should I laugh? Should I? Is it serious? Like, what is going on here? You make uh, George Clooney look like an idiot. I mean, how yeah, hard is that? Right. To, I mean, come on, how bad are you? How bad is your writing that George Clooney? I and mean, this is a guy that does Budweiser commercials and makes you just want to go get. Drunk, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This yeah. guy could sell anything. He could he could run for president tomorrow and out, you know, charisma Obama, and you make him look bad. So you should, you know, not only be fired but firing squad. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, let's go over the awards just real quick. Um, best visual effects went to Life of Pi. Uh-huh. I think that you think that uh, he it beat out The Hobbit, The Avengers, Prometheus, Snow White, and Huntsman. Uh, Any thoughts? You know, I'm not a special effects. I have no. This is like saying who speaks the best German to me. I mean, I, I, it's uh, I, I you, trust you, them. I'll, I'll say that. Um, I'll know. It was inevitable that Life of Pi was going to win the award, um, but I really feel like Prometheus needed more credit for all the practical effects that they used yeah. um, in the movie because it was 90 percent or something practical effects and sets, and Life of Pi was pretty much 99 percent CGI. No, I. Uh, and, <laughs> And they previs the entire movie, literally. Every shot was, you know, in a computer. They knew how it was going to be laid out. Great way of doing things. But uh, there's a very few few films being, especially science fiction, being done with practical effects in that way. So yeah, uh, glad to see they at least got a nomination there. Yeah. Uh, uh, best adapted screenplay went to Argo. It's a great deserve. Yeah, deserve. But I I I think maybe Lincoln. I, I, I might have voted Lincoln in that the, category. It, yeah, Lincoln and Silver Linings and Life of Pi, those are all three um, great. So I, I could I could see Lincoln winning there. But I felt like once Lincoln didn't win Best Screenplay, it wasn't going to win Best Picture. I, yeah, I no yeah, the writing was on the wall at that point for it, for uh, yeah. its Best Picture hope, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that award. Um, went to Chris Terrio for Argo. Original Screenplay, Django Unchained. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That was a you know I was that was the one I was rooting for. Um, I I just like to see Quentin get up and and do his bit um, in front of uh, in front of the masses. And I thought he had one of the two or three best speeches of the night. It was great, yeah, kind of out there, just like he is out there all the time, you know. And um, but it was uh, it was concise. He hit the marks really well. And and I I don't know. I just like to see him talk. So. Uh, uh-huh. And anytime, anytime we can get that, especially in front of a, a a a big crowd like that, I I think it's a good thing. So, and I think it's absolutely deserved. 
Yeah, I when it, when he won the award, I clapped. I mean, I stood up and clapped, and I was like, okay, no matter what happens from now on, I'm happy because if he wouldn't have won best original screenplay, like say for instance, Flight won, yeah, I would have. I don't know what I would have done to be honest, uh, because uh, uh, such good such good writing. Um, see, I could have seen Zero Dark Thirty winning, but yeah, yeah I think Terrence, Tarantino would have been livid if Mark Bull had beaten him again. Uh, uh, because he, he won for the Heart Locker. But um, uh, I will say that in the post-Oscar speech, you know how they interview the winners backstage, uh, kind of a press conference scenario. Somebody asked Quentin about doing Django Unchained 2, and he did not deny it. So um, Wow. They, they asked, hey, would you – they said, hey, I'm from South Carolina. Would you come consider shooting the sequel to Django Unchained in South Carolina? And he said, well, I have to write the script first. So there oh, you go. Maybe, might be time. doing Django Unchained 2. Yeah, I would watch um, some more Tarantino movie definitely. But I totally would. Without Kristoff, though, that hurts that movie a lot. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe uh, Django goes to the war. You know. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be that would be really cool. With Day um, Lewis as Lincoln again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Interesting here. Uh, sound editing was a tie. Uh, <laughs> what did you guys think about that? I couldn't Scott decide if it was a bit or not. Like I, yeah. you know, because they had Seth McFarlane. Who was that? Was it Ted? It was Wahlberg and Ted that were reading that one. And so you have the. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a bit. I thought that they were going to say, and the second Oscar goes to Ted, you know, or something just stupid like that. Um, and so I couldn't. I didn't really take it seriously until they actually called uh, the next movie. So uh, I'd never seen that before. I guess it's happened. I think I saw that it happened five times. Yes, but in in uh, bigger categories and a long time ago. Yeah. So apparently, it, it has happened, and it's just crazy. It, it, it almost seems fake. <laughs> it almost yeah. seems like, hey, everyone thinks we're rigging this thing. Let's just throw a tie out there. Uh, put it in sound editing so that nobody gets really upset, but just to show that ties do happen and people are actually voting for this thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's good to see that Skyfall won an Oscar because – Yeah, great movie I've heard. Good, yep. a good movie and deserved the recognition it got. Um, let's see here. Uh, production design went to Lincoln. I think we can all agree with that one. Yeah. Short film went to the Paper Man. Have never seen it. Oh, Paper Man's great, Kent. You need to you, you need to check that ever, out. I, I'm planning on it. Did you ever see Fresh Guacamole, which was also nominated? I didn't. I saw Paper Man because it played before Wreck It Ralph when it made its oh. original oh, theatrical okay. run, um, and it's. I mean, I just sat there, you know, I'm here to see this kid's movie and I'm all excited. And I just started like tearing up because it's, it's super, it's so well done. Um, I posted it on my blog this week or yesterday. Um, it's, it's, it's on YouTube too. So I would highly encourage you guys, anybody who hasn't seen it to check it out because it's, it's beautiful. I would highly encourage anyone that likes stop motion animation to check out Fresh Guacamole, which is also nominated for best short film. It was awesome. Definitely check it out. Um, Best original score went to Life of Pi. Uh, it beat out it beat out Argo, Lincoln, Skyfall, Anna Karenina. Tell uh, me how you feel about that, Kent, because you're kind of the yeah. score guy on the show here. Tell me, tell me how you felt about that. I can see how that maybe Life of Pi give you the the, the fact that it um, Richard Parker and Pi are in a boat alone the entire movie. I really feel like. It, the, the score contributes more to the to the emotion, but I mean, anytime John Williams is up f- up against you, 
there's really no denying John Williams' awesomeness. And Lincoln had great moments, uh, great cues with the score. Um, and so uh, I really don't see how anyone can beat John Williams. That's my honest opinion. But uh, I really don't know why Life of Pi beat it. That That's kind of confusing to me. I, I, I would probably rather listen to Lincoln's score than I would rather listen to Life of Pi. Yeah. But I'm not really into, into uh, Middle Eastern Indian music, but that's right. just me. Um, yeah, I so think I, I, I almost think John Williams works against himself now. Like it's just he's got this name, everybody knows him. Even if you don't know anything about um, musical scores or uh, scores for for movies, you know John Williams, and I feel like it almost uh, goes against him in in some ways. It's like, oh, John Williams made another score. Okay, we're not going to vote for you know what I mean. It's it's uh, I think he's so popular that it's almost it's like they don't want to vote for him. In a weird I way. Saw, yeah, I saw a blurb today that said uh, – it was a tweet or something that said, John Williams – in the history of the Academy Awards, John Williams accounts for over 50 percent of the people who have ever been nominated for Best Original Score. So, yeah. There you go. That's crazy. Over, half, yeah. over yeah. half of the scores that have ever been nominated for Best Best Original Score are John Williams scores. Yeah. So hopefully he does more – uh, movies. Hopefully, he does Star Wars Seven. We talked about that before. Totally. Uh, make, makeup went to um, Les Misérables. I was kind of surprised it beat The Hobbit because The Hobbit. I mean, yeah, incredible, incredible makeup job there. The makeup um, in Les Mis though is pretty incredible. It is great. It is great. But I mean, yeah, those are both like that's a toss up for me on yeah. either of those. Um, uh, foreign language film went to a more. Haven't seen it. Plan on. I plan on it. Yeah. Uh, film editing went to Argo. It beat out Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook. Deserved. Yeah, really well I, edited movie. Very well edited. The uh, cutting old footage to new footage, cutting it uh, back and forth from Hollywood to Iran was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only the other movie I thought might have had a chance is Zero Dark Thirty because yeah. the the last twenty minutes was cut together so well. Um, it didn't it didn't win though. Uh, documentary yeah. short was Innocente. Haven't seen it. Documentary feature, Searching for Sugar Man. Uh, I, I have seen this movie. I saw it today, actually. Okay. And this movie definitely deserved the Oscar. This yeah. movie is incredible. Have you seen it? Yeah, I love Searching for Sugar Man. Uh, it's it's one of those movies that's like if it wasn't if it wasn't a documentary, I don't think it could ever get greenlit because it's such a ridiculous story that you would never believe it's true. If Hollywood. Uh, if it was being written in Hollywood right now, somebody would be a script doctor would be saying, oh, "This is too unrealistic. No one's going to buy this." Um, it's such a weird, uh, cool, interesting story. I highly recommend Searching for Sugar Man uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. It's a, it's a great, read, great movie. I read a blurb on um, CNN Money today about the director for Searching for Sugar Man, uh, an independent filmmaker who ran out of money. And had a few shots left for this film and decided uh, – you know how we always talk about someday there's going to be a movie that's going to be win an Oscar that's shot on an iPhone. Well, Searching for Sugar Man literally was partially shot on an iPhone. <laughs> so there you go. Um, it was shot on the 8mm app, 8mm camera app. Um, that's great. 8mm footage was. So that's crazy to think yeah. about. Um, and we get to the big awards now. Cinematography went to Life of Pi. It beat out Lincoln, Skyfall, Django, Anna Karenina. That's that's one of the two or three that really ticked me off. Um, 
I thought it should have been Skyfall. Yes. I thought that Life of Pi absolutely deserved its visual effects award. Um, I Look, I don't know that much about what all goes into the filmmaking process. I have a little bit of a problem with a film that is, I would wager, at least 80% created on a computer, no, if not more. Langley has said literally every single frame of this movie. Okay. Was, yeah. was prevised in a computer. See, so I don't see how it can win cinematography. What? That's I mean, how half, I feel. I feel like half the thing is, with cinematography is, all right, camera's on the set. Now let's frame the shot. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. And now that's what. Now let's work the magic. Not let's think about it beforehand and have it set in stone and then animate it. I mean, yeah. we literally animated the shot, not right. shot it. You know what I'm saying? And nothing uh, against Life of Pi. Life of Pi is beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, it's, it's incredibly well put together, but it. I don't know. How, I really don't even understand how it qualifies for cinematography in some ways, uh, uh-huh, and yeah. especially stacked up against uh, stacked up against Skyfall, which I think honestly might be the most uh, the most beautiful action movie I've ever seen. Um, and and the cinematography is done by Roger Deakins, who's probably the best cinematographer probably the, probably in the, the most business. Gener- yeah, probably the best cinematographer around uh, right now. Still has not won an Oscar. Incredible. I, when you look at his, that one frustrates his me a lot. filmography, it's incredible that yeah. he has not been recognized. Yeah. Um, Janusz Kaminski, too. I mean, great for – he did a good job in Lincoln. I thought it was either going to be Life of – I mean, I thought it was either going to be Skyfall or Lincoln. It was Life of Pi. I, I honestly don't see how Django was nominated, but there are a few cues in there that are good, great, uh, like the scene where they're riding through town and yeah. the, noose is, the noose is hanging on the wall or on the, on the porch and yeah. – Django is riding by on the horse, and you see Django's head in the noose. Just small little cues like that. I uh, think um, I think Django didn't deserve to win, but I can certainly think it deserves a nomination because there's. Yeah. I mean, that whole montage scene is with the mountains and everything is framed incredibly. I mean, that's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful classic. Let's just, let's just let's just remind our listeners. Plus, it's shot on film. <laughs> let's just remind our <laughs> listener. That's true. That that uh, Life of Pi won for best cinematography. And the master was not even nominated. That's true. <laughs> that's all I'll say there in that category. That yeah, should have been possibly, nominated as well. That's that is just insulting in every in every aspect. Uh, costume design went to Anna Karenina. I've never seen it, but it looked pretty much just like every other movie I've seen from that time period. Just fluffy, uh, puffy dresses, you know. Uh, yeah, I feel like that was the same costumes as Mirror Mirror. Yeah, I feel like that was one of the bigger mail-ins of the – it's every year. It's not just this year, but yeah. I felt like you could say, oh, your movie's based before 1950 and you know, and it was released in November. Well, you're going to win this award. I, I, I just – it's such a mail-in to me. Uh, I don't even – they should just hand that out when they hand out the technical award. Boards before you know before the the ceremony on Sunday night because everybody know you had to know Anna Karenina was going to win because it's obvious it's obvious they always get those sorts of movies always get that award every single year. Yep. So. Yeah. Um, best animated feature. Now here's one that I would like to rant. <laughs> um, I thought about you when this one came down. I knew you were going to be. <laughs> I knew you would. Let me let me say this. Uh, I was watching uh, watching this with a friend of mine, and I was like, I told him, I was like, Wreck It Ralph is clearly the best film here, and I was like, hundred hundred bucks says, Brave wins <laughs> solely on the fact that it's Pixar. Yeah, and I feel like that's the case. I feel like, um, especially members of the Academy being as old as they are, mm-hmm. 
won't go out and seek out these animated films. Uh, so they literally looked at the nominees and said, which one's Pixar? Okay, I'm checking that one. But let me say this, that Brave, as just from an animation standpoint alone, Brave is a masterpiece. I mean, it, it is yeah. – the just her hair alone deserves an Oscar. I mean, I <laughs> but but Wreck-It Ralph honestly was a great movie. Or just a great a great movie. And Brave wasn't a great movie. So uh, I I was quite upset that it won. I mean, it it literally just proves that Pixar can crap out anything. Yeah, and beat and and, and win uh, Best Picture. Yeah, uh, I agree. I gave I gave Brave like a I think a B plus when it came out, and it's fine and it's enjoyable, and I'm. No problem with it as a movie, uh, but Wreck-It Ralph is so much better. It's just so much it better, is. and I, I felt the same way. I felt like nobody nobody who was voting had watched all these movies. They just saw Pixar, and they voted for it, and that's, that's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Okay, here we go. Best Supporting Actress went to Anne Hathaway, beating Amy Adams, Sally Field, Helen Hunt, Jackie Weaver. I haven't yeah, seen, that was uh, – I haven't, I haven't seen the sessions – but uh, I have seen all the others, and I will agree there. I think Anne Hathaway was um, superb in her, and uh, in her twenty minutes of the of the film she's in. Yeah, uh, and that that's a whole another debate, and that and that she gets a lot of controversy about whether she should even be nominated for being uh, uh, in a, in a three hour film being in twenty minutes. Yeah. But, uh, uh, well, Alan Arkin as, won as, as, for as, Little Miss Sunshine with like yeah, eleven yeah. minutes of screen time. Eight yeah. those um, as a corpse. So I mean, and, and, as soon as Anne Hathaway opened her mouth and started singing, though, and that, yeah. that first tear streamed down her face, you're like, "Oh, she has this wrapped up." And, yeah, you knew she had the Oscar when when the trailer came out. I think that was <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, it was wrapped up. But that's a tough one for me. Richard's in the same boat as I don't know about you, Kent, but I know Richard and I share a hatred of Anne Hathaway. And um, oh so yeah, I, I do too. But I'll be honest. Um, this but she year, was great. I'm not. Lay Miz, Lay Miz, and The Dark Knight Rises. I'm yeah. starting to come around uh, to Anne Hathaway, but I'll agree. There's nothing I found attractive about her whatsoever. Um, and I just, I think if I would, I dated, I went on a date with her, I probably wouldn't call her back. <laughs> that's just her her personality just yeah. uh, she's just the girl in high school that tries she's too just hard. That girl next door, yeah, that girl at church that your parents want you to date, but you're like, no, that's weird. You know, <laughs> um, best supporting actor, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Boom. Boom. And the, the evening started off with this award. And when, when he won, I was like, this is going to be a great night. Um, he beat out Philip Seymour Hoffman, De Niro, Alan Arkin, Tommy Lee Jones. Um, a lot of people thought Tommy Lee Jones was going to win uh, or De Niro. I, I was even, I mean, the day of the Oscars, I feel like De Niro was the favorite. The buzz was surrounding him. Uh, I would have been upset if Waltz or Philip Seymour Hoffman didn't win. But Amen. Uh, what do you guys think? Those are my two picks too. I, I think uh, Arkin, Arkin, a good Arkin's always Arkin times Alan Arkin, and he's great. But he, it's not, it's nothing. He, you know, and plus he's on screen again nine whole minutes in Argo, whereas Christoph Waltz has you know two hours of screen time in Django. Same with Seymour Hoffman in the Masters, and you know both of those are arguably lead roles. Uh, De Niro's always, again, always kind of De- he's doing a Robert De Niro impression at this point. Um, and plus, you know, no bookie would actually be the fa- a fan of the Eagles or any sports team, so that that annoys me. So, I, on principle, I don't vote for him. 
And uh, Tommy Lee Jones is great in Lincoln, but uh, I think he kind of soured people by just being kind of a jerk during the whole award season. And as long as, as much as we don't like to admit it, it's a game you have to play. You got to be nice and you got to, you know, kiss ass a little bit. And uh, he kind of refused to do that. And I think everyone likes Christoph Waltz. Yeah, I, 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 I do. Yeah, it's just really no denying Christoph Waltz, just no. his charm, yeah. um, his skill as a dramatic actor, his, um, his classic um, style of acting. Um, it's just undeniable. It's infectious. And I feel the same way about Seymour Hoffman. Um, he, every frame I see him on screen, I'm just happy. He's just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant actor. Um, so, yeah, Christoph Waltz, great. Uh, great, great, great that he won. Uh, let's go to here. Best Actress in a Leading Role. Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings Playbook, beating out Kwasane Waltz for Beast of the Southern Wild, Naomi Watts, Jessica Chastain, and Emmanuel Riva. Uh, thoughts on Jennifer Lawrence? I think Chastain had a better performance in a much harder role. Uh, however, I think Lawrence uh, really had a really charming award season. She's a really likable person. And the yeah. fact is that these awards, you know, the, the, the Oscars culminate the award season. And if you come off well during a lot of the other awards, it'll win you some votes. And I think she really just charmed America and the Academy. Uh, I think she was better in Winter's Bone uh, oh, than, than this definitely. role. And I think there might have been a little retribution there. Um, I like her a lot. I think she's a really charming person. I think Chastain was was miles ahead of her as a performance. But uh, but you know, again, one of those things where Chastain should have won, but it, it you know it doesn't kill you. I, I definitely think Lawrence was second place, so it's not like it was uh, a fifth place winning or anything like that. Uh, it yeah, wasn't. A- I, I think Kovazene Wallace was incredible too. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wild, she was unbelievable. Um, I, I agree with Jennifer Lawrence. I. Something just rubs me the wrong way about her. Um, beautiful girl, but her acting style is just kind of eyes half closed, kind of monotonish. Uh, that that that's just kind of my opinion. Um, but she's won the she won the Oscar. I mean, so people love her. Um, I kind of agree with you on that, but I think I think part of why she did end up winning is because Silver Line, She's so much. She's so different in Silver Linings Playbook than she is. In Winter's Bone, in Hunger Games, in X Men, whatever else she's doing, I felt like it was a much more lively character, and that I think led some some voters at least to think to because I think I think you're right, Kent. I I think that's how she comes across most of the time, and she to me she was much different in uh, in Silver Linings Playbook, and that's I think that's part of what led to uh, to her victory uh, for the for Best Actress. So. Um, Personally, I, I'll, I'll echo what you guys have both said. I Jessica Chastain, in my opinion, had the best best performance of the year by any actor, actress, supporting, leading, whatever, um, and was asked to do far more in her role than, honestly, I feel like anybody else uh, who was up for a, an award, maybe other than Joaquin Phoenix in The Master. Um, and I really feel like she deserved to win that and she that would have been my vote but like Richard said I'm not I, I think Jennifer Lawrence was Jennifer Lawrence and and uh and Quan Janae Wallace were both in my top 10 performances of the year male or female and so I can't you know along with Chastain I can't really complain about the 
second best female performance winning the award, you know. Um, I thought they were all, I thought they were both well-deserving, um, even if I would have, it broke my heart just a little bit that Jessica Chastain didn't win, but um, yeah. I, I thought it was well-deserved for both of them, quite honestly. Uh, good, all, all good points. Best actor in a leading role went to Daniel Day-Lewis, beating yeah. out Riley Cooper, Joaquin Phoenix, Denzel, and Hugh Jackman. And funniest monologue of the night. Yeah. 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 It's true. Um, great. Uh, obviously great performance by Day-Lewis. Um, you got to feel for, for Joaquin Phoenix, though, here. You really do. I mean, I honestly hurt for the guy um, because he does, he tries so hard and he puts it all out there. Yeah. And it's just like Daniel Day-Lewis just can – I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis could show up drunk every day on set. And literally mumble a performance, and he probably won't be the best actor in the Academy Awards. I mean, well, you know, nine, nine <laughs> differ on that, uh, but but yeah. Still- <laughs> um, uh, you just, I, I Daniel Day Lewis was great. Yes, uh, definitely deserving. So I, I feel like this was such a strong category. Every single person who was nominated gave a best picture or I mean best actor caliber performance yeah, Hugh Jackman was incredible I mean Hugh Jackman and Denzel was great Denzel was great very so. good yeah um, it was so fun to me <laughs> fun is not the right word but it was uh, I got a kick out of seeing every time they cut to Joaquin Phoenix which was only like three times in the whole show because uh clearly he's he's uh unstable and you you don't know what he's going to do when the camera turns on but um I couldn't decide whether he was angry that he wasn't going to win or angry because he was actually at the Academy Awards. He looked like he had hemorrhoids. I mean, he was just so angry and squirming in his seat and um, you couldn't get a feel for it. It was, I want to, I want to get this in real quick. This is um, Joaquin Phoenix's acceptance speech upon winning the title of best actor from the London Critics Circle 2013. Now, I don't know if he won the award or if this is real speech or if this is what he was planning to give, but I would like to read it because this is probably the kind of speech he would have given if he had won best actor. Yeah. Get ready. It says, I struggle with the idea of winning awards for acting. Stating that I'm the best actor for something as subjective as film seems strange to me. To the uninitiated, it implies that I'm solely responsible for the creation and implementation of the character. I'm not. I suppose that's why we think that we thank our colleagues. There are those of you who know such as Paul Thomas Anderson, who I'm eternally grateful for, a man who has persistently searched for the truth. I'm fortunate to have been under his guidance, Philip Seymour Hoffman for his patience and advice, Amy Adams for being angry. And um, he goes on to say, the last paragraph, this is what I'll read. But there are many others who you do not know by name, such as Mike Kenna, who I believe was the grip, but he did 20 different jobs, so I can't be sure. Adam <laughs> Summer, the first assistant director. Karen Ramirez in the office. Tommy, I don't know your last name. There are too <laughs> many people to list. The truth is, you cannot separate my work from theirs. Unquote. Uh, so I, I really like um, – go back and listen to our review of The Master. I really uh, am a fan of Joaquin and his work, and um, – I, I just like the approach he took there with that. Uh, Such an interesting guy. Such an interesting uh, um, spectacle of a person. Yeah. Um, best director went to Ang Lee. Thoughts there? I feel bad. I feel bad for you, him. You honestly think it, you honestly thought Life of Pi was going to win after this? I did anyway. Best picture. I have a hard. 
I feel bad for Ong Lee because he deserved it. He was he, Life of Pi is great. His work on the film is great. Um, to see him do something so different from most of the other films we know him for is great. So I I I think he deserved it. I also think Spielberg is pretty great. I forever I'm going to look at that win as if it has an asterisk next next to it because to me the three best directing jobs of the year were not nominated. And so I have a hard time. Uh, it's not fair to Lee to feel that way, but um, I, you know, he, he beat the five that were nominated. So, so congratulations. are yours, are yours, Ben Affleck, obviously, right? Right. Sam Mendes? Is that one of them? For, I would have had, I, I would have had Paul Bigelow. Yeah, I would have had Bigelow and Tarantino, but I probably would have had Mendes in my, in my top five as well. Um, okay. So, if it if I had been given a ballot, I would have voted Affleck, Bigelow, Maybe Tarantino. Uh, I would have had him out. Not to say that he didn't deserve it, but if I had to have five, I would say Affleck, Bigelow, um, Tarantino, Mendez, and I probably would have gone Spielberg. But you could have talked me into to uh, Wes Anderson or um, Ang Lee or one of the other guys, uh, great year for film. So it's hard to pick five. I understand that, but great year for film. I think you, you took the words right out of my mouth on that category. So let's move on to best (laughs) of the year, which went to Argo. Um, and I know, I already know what you're going to say here. So go ahead and say it. I, I say totally well-deserved. I would have voted zero dark 30, but just like, uh, in very much the same way that I felt like Chastain should have won Best Actress, but I can't be too upset about uh, you know the number two or number three uh, in Jennifer Lawrence winning. It's the same for me. I had Zero Dark Thirty as my number one movie of the year. I think that history will treat Zero Dark Thirty better than it was treated this year. Um, but Argo was my number two movie of the year, and I thought it was great. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about about its victory. Um, even if it wasn't, even if it wouldn't have been my vote. Yeah. Um, it, it's sad to think though. And <laughs> the fact that we thought zero dark 30 was the best movie of the year. And the only Oscar it won was <laughs> sound editing. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, and I, one more thing I wanted to mention about, about this year in movies, 2012. And I promise we'll never talk about this again, but, um, it's amazing how this year the subject matter of these films was controversy. I mean, Zero Dark Thirty, very controversial movie. Mm-hmm. Lego Unchained, controversial. Beasts of the Southern Wild, very controversial. Lincoln, yeah. very controversial. Um, and so this is it was a great year for, for movies, but I really do think they made the right choice. Argo really summed up this year in movies. I really yeah. do think it did. I think that's fair, definitely. It sum, and sums I, up I the state of Hollywood, and yeah, I I, I watched it, uh, you know, last week before we did our our uh, our review, and I've watched it again since, and I'm probably going to watch it again next week. It's great. I love the movie, um, and I so I can't complain about it at all, uh, even if I do think it's a little bit ridiculous that Zero Dark Thirty got one win and it was a tie. That's <laughs> okay. Unbelievable. You know. Yeah. True. True. Um, any more thoughts on the Oscars, guys, before we wrap things up for tonight? Uh, in keeping with the Argo, I, that was my favorite moment of the night, I think, um, was was seeing Affleck get up there 
and give uh, give his speech as a giddy schoolgirl. Um, you could just I I like to see. I like to see, especially big stars like he, like he is. I like to see guys like that that are genuinely excited and passionate about their project. And uh, Affleck is such a great success story um, in a way that we, I certainly didn't imagine he would be a few years ago. Um, and so I, I very much enjoyed his speech and just seeing him up there accept, accepting the award um, and knowing that this is a guy that basically wasted his opportunity and was fortunate enough to get a second chance and has absolutely 100% made the most of it. And I think that that's a, yeah, totally. that that's a, that's a Hollywood story in and of itself. So very cool for me. And I, that was my favorite moment of the night, maybe outside of Christoph Waltz winning too. Very well said, Brian. And I will say very nonchalantly that George Clooney picking up an Oscar, always a good thing. So, uh, anytime you can recognize him, uh, that's just the better because let's face it, uh, that beard was awesome. Let me ask you this, Brian. Where can I find you online? Yeah, I'm at bgill12 on Twitter, and uh, you can find my writing at thesoapboxoffice.com. Sir Richard Barden? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or at richardbarden.com. You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N-K-E-N-T, like Superman. You can contact the Mad About Movies podcast. Just email us at madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com. You can find our Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com slash madaboutmoviespodcast and like us or just search for Mad About Movies Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening and thanks for being here, guys. I'm looking forward to next year's Oscars. Yes, sir. Looking forward for to it. Us. It was fun. Uh, great times. Good times. Well, until next week, we will see you at the cinema.